Omnibus is a production of iHeartRadio. We are Ken Jennings and John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is The Omnibus. You have accessed entry 686.LV1106, certificate number 21432. Killer Rabbit. There he is. Where? There. What, behind the rabbit? It is the rabbit. You silly sod. What? You guys all worked up. Well, that's no ordinary rabbit. That's the most foul, cruel and bad Temper rodent you ever set eyes on. Kill a rabbit, kill a rabbit. <laughs> Is that why you wanted to be called Killer Rabbit? So you could do that? Have you ever had an extraordinary animal encounter? Mm, I was hiking in a canyon in Utah once and saw a moose, which was huge. Like they're way bigger than you think. Well, they're not bigger than I think because I know how big they are. So they're bigger than here's Jennings law, even taking into account Jennings law, mm. mooses are bigger than you think. Yeah. Mooses are big, but they're not bigger than I think. No, they are. Actually. No, 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 they're not. I know how big a moose is. Okay. How big is a moose? Big. Nope. It's a little bigger. It's a oh, tiny bit bigger. Oh, dang. A moose, a Utah moose is not even a big moose. Do you feel like an Alaska moose would just kick the crap out of a Utah moose? I do. With, with its bigger, more masculine, more caffeinated mm. antlers. I was walking down a, uh, the bike trail, what we call the bike trail, although there are many bike trails in Anchorage, but I was walking down the bike trail. Is there one bike in Anchorage that it's, you call the bike? <laughs> it's the Campbell Creek bike trail. And I was with a lady friend and we were walking along a stretch of the bike trail that used to go between my mom's house and my dad's house. And she said, you know, the one thing I'd like to see while I'm visiting Alaska is a moose. And before I could launch into my John Roderick explanation of how unusual it would be to see a moose in the summer in this location, she pointed over my shoulder and said, is that a moose? And I turned around and it was a moose. <laughs> I love this meme where the kid says, is this a moose? And it was a, you know, it was a cow moose and she was in a swamp. Do the cows have antlers? No, she did not have antlers and they don't have antlers. And, and when I saw it was a lady moose, you know, you always worry about baby moose because the only time they really charge you or get grouchy seems to be when they have a baby there. Mm -hmm. So I hustled us out of there. But that, uh, that line, is that a moose became, you know, a meme within our, my local culture. Does it count as a meme if it's just you and your girlfriend? I wish that I could see a moose. Is that a moose? Pretty Do you think? Good. 
is it possible that she has the power to summon Moose? I wondered that exact thing. <laughs> and? Uh, I don't sense then. I have not seen her uh, conjure a Moose. So, I mean, I'm not with her all the time. She could be in the company of Meese right this very second, but I've never seen it. But I've had a lot of unusual animal encounters, but nothing where the animal was really behaving that out of character, right? I, I was walking along a trail one time and I saw a porcupine coming toward me on the trail. Big, big porcupine. Was it jogging? Porcupine. Was it on one of those recumbent bikes? No, it was just like slop, but dop, but you know, just moving very slowly and sort of at a at a like a aren't they nocturnal? Like a waddling gait. Aren't they crepuscular? Were you walking this trail at night? No, yeah, were you walking you know, your was, neighborhood at night and it seeing was in the porcupines? The late afternoon. Uh, but seeing the porcupine just on the trail was a little unusual. But then he kept coming, and at no point was prepared to yield the trail. Ah, that's not good trail etiquette. No. So as we got closer, I realized. I was going to need to yield the trail. And the less pointy trail user has to yield. I climbed down into the ditch and stood a respectful distance away while he continued on his path without even a turn to the side. I was hiking up. Is this just porcupine story over if we're alternating? <laughs> yeah, or, no, or is there a sequel? That's then the it turned around. That's the end of the porcupine story. <laughs> but I'm dying to hear what you. The porcupine story, everybody. Classic omnibus bit. I was hiking in Wildwood Canyon above Burbank a couple weeks ago. Oh, not that long ago. Yeah. This is not a great animal encounter, but it has a recency mm -hmm. in its favor. Mm -hmm. And uh, this kind of, this guy from Connecticut is lost and asks me which trail to go back down to the park near. And I, I'm like, That's I think. That's not an animal. I think that, yeah, it's a very Just unusual. a guy from Connecticut. <laughs> I encountered a New Englander in they, the wild. They get lost all the time. He was extremely sunburned. Uh, I said, I think they all go, but I think this one goes to the, you know, the place where most of the parking is. And as, he's turn, as he turns to take my advice, he rears up like a horse because <laughs> there's a, a pretty big, maybe a gopher or garter snake yeah. in the path. And I'm like, oh, wow. And I come over to look at the snake and he's like, watch out, watch out. And I'm like, well, I don't think it's going to like jump at me. And it starts to go up the rockery and he won't even, the guy won't go by on the trail. And I think he's interested in the snake because I am, but it turns out he just doesn't think he can go. He's like, do you think, do you think it's safe now to go? The snake is well off the trail. The snake is now off the trail. It's climbing up the rocks above the trail. I said, yeah, I think you're okay. It's not a, it doesn't appear to be poisonous. I think right. the only poisonous snakes in California, I think, are rattlesnakes. And this clearly is rattle-free. Also, it has passed. It's all, yeah, also, it's gone. It's very hard to get bitten by, like when people get bitten by a snake, it's because they were dumb. They either grabbed the snake or they didn't see it and stepped on the snake. Snakes do not attack. Unlike, unlike porcupines. You're saying if you're just standing there on the trail and a snake comes along. You don't you, have to panic as much cool. as this, this nutmeg stater did. Okay. What do you, what, what's somebody from Connecticut called? A Connectication? A Connecticut. Well, no, a Connectication is when you go home with your college girlfriend <laughs> and meet her parents. A Connecticut. Connecticut. Cacophony? Kinet a Connecticut. Nutmegger. A kinetic Energy. Connecticut. Connecticut. Uh, that's the classic snake story, everyone. That's a great snake story. You know, I have a good story about a, uh, a possum that uh, was messing around my house all the time. I couldn't get rid of this possum. And the neighbor's cat used to hang out at my house too. Had a very attractive house to wildlife. And one night I was staring out the window and here comes the possum. And I knew that the cat was already kind of hiding like in a bush. I'd seen the cat. 
And I thought, uh, now finally, the, I know something the possum does not know. The possum is going to get it from this cat. And the cat came out of the bushes and the possum continued along and the two of them met in the grass and touched noses. What? And then the possum like just ambled off and the cat went in its own way. And I was infuriated. This is how you know that animals are just doing it for our benefit. You know, like they didn't know you were watching. So they do the Looney Tunes thing where it's like, hey, Sam. Yeah. Hey, hey, what's the other one? Hey, Sam. Hey, Dave. Yeah. Just, I don't know. I don't remember their names. But the sheepdog <laughs> and, the, and the wolf. When Wiley right? Coyote talks for some reason. They both clock in and. Uh, and if they'd known you'd been watching, they would have put on a little oh, show yeah, for like, for, each for, other for David Attenborough. Yeah. But now, you know, it's all a. But was it a magical moment in the fairy moonlight? If the possum hadn't been such a bugbear around my property. It seems like you're being colored by your possum prejudices in this story. I did have a little bit of an anti-possum uh, attitude you're an at anti-possite. I, what, I expected the cat to fulfill a purpose. In this case, possum eradication or at least possum wrangling. It's not your cat, John. I didn't understand that possums and Cats showed professional courtesy to one another like attorneys. They, <laughs> they like, they nodded and tipped their hats to one another. And that is not a thing I, I thought I'd ever see. Your Honor, permission to approach the barn. But uh, animal encounters, of course, make up a, a big part of our American lore. There are all kinds of wonderful stories of people being rescued by animals or uh, having faithful steeds and whatnot. Is that true? Being rescued by their loyal pets? Well, loyal pets. Or just pet. a wild... A wild moose appears. I, I cannot think of a time when a wild moose lowers like, its antlers into the rapids. Legendarily, like saved a person let, to from let a the bear. Indian princess up out of the out of the cataract. But one of the most iconic American animal encounter stories is the famous killer rabbit attack of sitting President Jimmy Carter. Do you remember this? Are you, are you young enough to, or were you, were you old enough at the time to remember it? I only know about it in hindsight. Like the, the traditional first news event that I always use as my benchmark of the first thing I remember in the world, which is the Sonics beating the bullets for the 1979 NBA championship. You've mentioned that. Happened yeah. a month and a half after this. That's so, right. So Jimmy Carter's brush with death, if it had just been a couple months later, I might have remembered it. But as it is, it's, it's lost in the memory hole. Well, interestingly, uh, the event itself happened on 420. Woo! 1979. I think that explains a lot. But it did not... Maybe that explains your chill neighbor's cat oh, as well. See, it's always happening on the, 420. After everything got legalized, the cats won't chase anything anymore. Like what ifs? Uh, but it was not widely reported until late August of that same year. Oh, so I could have remembered. Well, depending, yeah. I mean, depending on, you might have still been basking in the glow of the Sonics victory and like unwilling to take in any new information. Uh, this was not, this is the kind of story that maybe a kid could be aware of, but like news events I remember in 1979 when I was five years old are few and far between. Well, the story was Jimmy Carter, who was a, um, who was very much like a country boy president. He wasn't, a, he didn't grow up in New York City. He's not from Penobscot, Maine. He was, 
born and raised in Plains, Georgia. Which is a small town, right? <laughs> a very small town. <clears throat> and was a... Today, population 727. Plains. Even after all of the Carter fame. Your odds of becoming president if you're from Plains, Georgia, one in 727. <laughs> that's, assuming. That's, that's very good. Assuming that someone from Plains will become president, uh, yeah. Yeah, assuming, no, that he, I think Jimmy Carter still counts as a resident. Maybe does he still live there? I think he does. I think well, there he you go. calls Plains home. One of 727 Plainsites. Plainsians. Are uh, United States presidents. Plainsians. Which is, a, which is a better average than than almost any place on earth. Certainly better here than here in Seattle. Yeah, we're over here. Yeah. Uh, but Jimmy Carter was the president at the time, and he went back to Plains to have a little vacay. You know, uh, he didn't spend as much time at Camp David. He, he would go home and, and in this case- Check on the peanuts- Carter was an avid fisherman and was uh, by himself in a little rowboat out with his lure in the water. Even after deliverance, this guy would take a fishing trip to Georgia? He's from Georgia. He, so he's not worried. It's not something where he, he's not Ned Beatty who's going to get city slickered out somewhere. He's, <laughs> Are you saying he's the other guys in he, the Ned Beatty scene? Yeah, he speaks, <laughs> he speaks the local vernacular. No, he's probably running the, you know, he's running the town peanut press. Playing his banjo. But he was out. He was out fishing and was by himself in the boat because he was having some alone time and he was enjoying little rod and reel action. That must be nice when you're president. Well, and the, the thing about it, and it's salient to this story, is no American president is truly alone. So yeah, where is the Secret Service at this point? Are they in the boat? They are not in the boat. They are not in a neighboring boat. They're hiding in the bushes. And Talking into their cuffs. Un, uh, and uh, along Peanut, with them. Peanut has uh, baited his hook. Well, and they're probably wearing like Cabela's waders or something. They're not still in their three-piece suits. What do you think Carter's Secret Service nickname was? I don't even know this. Uh, do you enjoy Secret Service nicknames? Yeah, sure. Was it uh, Honey Ranch? The president's, yeah, it was Honey Ranch. <laughs> the president and his family, they all have their, the tradition is that they all are given nicknames that are alliterative. Oh, okay. are you Are you aware of this? I, did, I guess I did know So that, that if, um, for example, Bill Clinton is Eagle, Hillary is... Egret? <laughs> She is egret. Yes. <laughs> Ellipses. Evergreen. Actually. Evergreen. Oh, yeah. And did she remain evergreen even uh, when she ran for president? Yes. You don't get a new Secret Service nickname. Even when you apparently. bump up in status? Yeah. She should switch. Yeah. She should be She's eagle, eagle. And he would have to switch over to evergreen. Of all the presidents to get the Secret Service handle eagle, it was really Bill Clinton? I would think like Eagle would be kind of Someone a who actually served in the military. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe he was the first one that like insisted on choosing his own. Right. They were like, wild turkey. He said, nah. Because a lot of them are not super, I mean, maybe Reagan chose his. His is Rawhide. So yeah. not just cowboy, but like TV cowboy. Well, it seems like somebody at Secret Service might have given him that. Now, what was Carter's? Carter was Deacon. Deacon. Yeah, that seems like something. You know, he was kind he's, of a deacon a, in his he's church. He's still a Sunday school teacher. Yeah. So he's a churchy guy. Rosalind Dancer. I don't know. She, did she dance? Dancer? Did she dance? I don't know. Can't prove she didn't. Amy Carter, Dynamo. Dynamo. Ab absolutely. That's so cute. What a dynamo the, that girl was. And then, still a dynamo. And then her, her uh, older siblings, Diamond, Derby, and Deckhand. Hmm. Once you're locked into the letter D, I guess. I don't know what, whether I'd like Deckhand or not. What was Billy Carter? Did he have a name? For futurelings that know about Jimmy Carter, but not about his raunchy brother, Billy. His ne'er-do-well brother. Billy was kind of a, he's a southern man, a little bit of a hick maybe. Uh, he had a 
brand of beer named after Yeah, what if we just switch this episode to being about Billy Beer? Billy Beer instead. I don't know what Billy Carter's nickname was. It starts with a D. Well, let's-, let's What if it's like just douchebag and yeah, that's, why right. they, that's why the Secret Service doesn't put it online? <laughs> Ding dong. Ding bat. Uh, well, let's stick with Deacon. Uh, I'm sure the Secret Service were watching him through binoculars because the White House official press photographer was there. Again, hidden kind of in the bushes. So Jimmy Carter, it's all like a game of pretend. He's like, I want to get out on the river and just have a little bit of alone time with me and my fishes. That's very good. And uh, they were like, Deacon's in the boat. Deacon's on the river. (laughs) And why is the photographer there? I mean, I understand why the Secret Service needs to be there in case of some kind of attack. Unlikely as that would be, alone on a fishing trip. But the photo, is it a photo op, really? I don't know what the mandate of the White House photographer is, if it is to just always be shooting, yeah, hoping like, to get that. Is it like that. a wedding photographer who's yeah. just always annoyingly there? Just like, get over there and just get the shot, get the shot. Like, I hope he knows. I hope Carter's not naked in the boat because he doesn't realize it's a He must op. know. When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. Thankfully, there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves access to high-quality, humanely sourced meat at an affordable price. That's why each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of the finest cuts right to your home. Choose from 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. No antibiotics, no added hormones, just meat the way meat should be. And right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free plus twenty dollars off your first box when you visit butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout that's butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout Uh, but he's in his rowboat and uh, he hears a commotion on the shore and he looks over and a giant rabbit which uh, was later identified as a swamp rabbit. This is a species of rabbit or it's... A swamp rabbit is a kind of cottontail rabbit distinguished by a few things. One of them, it has shorter ears than a normal cottontail. It has a bigger body than a normal cottontail. So it's a little bit thick, if if you'll allow me. With two Cs? Thick with two Cs. He chonk. It's got a big rump and small ears. And also... It's aquatic or semi-aquatic. The Latin name for swamp rabbit is uh, the... Silviligus? Silviligus? Is that what you would say? Silviligus? Silviligus? Let's say Silviligus. It's Silviligus aquaticus. So it's right there in the name. This is a swimming rabbit. It's got gills. No. No gills. It just swims. It, It protects itself from predators by kind of submerging itself and staying quiet. It's not a fast rabbit. That's interesting. My sister had a pet rabbit when she was in high school, and I don't think she ever bathed it because you're not supposed to. Like, it's mm. it's not good to get a, a pet rabbit wet in general because they're such delicate little flowers. Is it like a gremlin? Is it a, Does it turn <laughs> yeah. into a mogwai or it something? It turns into the rabbit from Donnie Darko right. after midnight. No, and so she never, like, you're only supposed to bathe it if it gets something, like, so caustic in its fur that it would, like, die if mm. it ingested it. Mm. And yet, here we have Silviligus aquaticus, just paddling around the swamp, 
to avoid gators. Well, this belief that you're not meant to wash a rabbit comes into the story. Uh, This rabbit jumps in the water and starts to swim directly to Carter's rowboat. Oh, he's a Republican. And he's hissing and uh, gnashing its teeth and making a bunch of, like, Pretty aggressive noise. I already did the Republican joke, so I, I can't do it again. You can't do it again. What? Oh, so he's like a Republican then. Maybe you didn't hear it the first time. <laughs> Will uh, Rogers what, here, folks. What are you doing? Missing be, your bell? I'll be here all week. <laughs> what, do we know why it's hissing? What an odd thing for a rabbit to do. Well, uh, there's some speculation that it was being uh, chased by dogs. Dogs are one of its natural predators, or at least since <laughs> the introduction natural. of dogs. But I mean, dogs, uh, wild dogs. Sure. Did wild dogs exist in the Americas prior to the uh, arrival of Europeans? Uh, dingoes. There They're, must be wolves. Dingoes always. Oh, sure, of course, wolves. But you're right that the, coyotes. You know, the wild dogs that are more closely related to the modern domesticated dogs, I think we only have in Africa. Sure, I, that's I can't an think African of any dog. native South American. But wolves and, and coyotes and other uh, canine species were predators of the water rabbit, but also... The swamp rabbit gets it from both sides because alligators also eat them. It really seems like jumping in the water may not be the best approach. Not, not if you live down in the in the southeastern states, the like, swamp states. Like if they eat a kid at Disney World, there is no way they will not eat a delicious, thick with two C's That's rabbit. Right, a big fat-bodied rabbit uh, with small ears, so you don't. It's less of a choking. Yeah, you don't hazard. get you don't get the ears caught right. in your throat. Can you imagine being an alligator and seeing one of these thick boys? You're like, come on, oh, baby, God, he coming. Anyway, this rabbit is clearly agitated, and he is not avoiding Carter's boat. He's like my porcupine. Uh, he's not seeding. You know, uh, the law <laughs> of the ocean, <laughs> right? Right. You're Maritime to, law you're comes supposed into to seed, force it, here. seed to the larger craft. And this rabbit is just going straight at him. Seems like he's a Republican. (laughs) (laughs) At a certain point, you know, Carter, who's no stranger to uh, the outdoors, recognizes that this rabbit is not veering. And so he picks up his boat paddle. And the rabbit's still far enough away that he doesn't have to whack it. But he splashes the rabbit with enough water that it diverts the rabbit and incident you know, like the Secret Service stands down. He's right? a he's a peace loving president. You know, there's he guy splashes it with water. Actually, the guy with the metal briefcase is probably standing in a bush somewhere too, because he has to be fairly close to the president at all times. Sure. And Carter was a cold warrior, so he the guy with the briefcase was probably calling Air Force One. Every the the, the calling in air support. Yeah, like F fours were scrambling, and then the rabbit veers off. Incident over. But Carter goes back to the White House after his vacation in Plains, and he tells this story. And it's, you know, this is the kind of charming homespun anecdote that Southern people love to tell. It's a rare moment of self-sufficiency for a U.S. president, too, right? Like, I mean, famously, these are guys who can't tell you how much a box of granola costs because they haven't been to the store in 20 years. And yet here he is having to whack a, a rabbit with his paddle. Sure. He knows how to row a boat by himself. He knows how to use a paddle as a defensive weapon. And he's not, crucially, I think, not freaked out by an agitated rabbit. Well, if, if you were going to be freaked out by a swamp critter, I mean, the world's freakiest rabbit is not going to scare you that much. But, but I imagine at first you wouldn't, I mean, I'm not President Jimmy Carter. You are certainly not, but your impression is not bad. <laughs> you are not, sir. <laughs> I knew Jimmy Carter. <laughs> And you saw no Jimmy Carter. <laughs> who, who is this hypothetical Southern senator who's very, very fed up with the idea that you might be Jimmy Carter? That was the Southern Lloyd Benson. <laughs> uh, 
at first, I don't imagine it would be clear that it was a swamp rabbit. This is unusual behavior for a swamp sure, rabbit. Sure, you've got just something hissing and furry yeah, here coming comes, through the water. Big buck teeth. And then eventually, you know, Jimmy Carter also caricatured as someone with big buck teeth. A peanut with buck teeth was how I first remember encountering Jimmy Carter. Yeah, all I knew about him grader. was the smile. Big smile. Yeah. yeah. And is that, I don't think we even remember that. Today. It was just big in the caricatures, in the political cartoons. He had a wide mouth and it was a, he, he was, he's quick to laugh. He was an easy <laughs> smiler. And during the campaign for president in 75, you know, my people were political. I was becoming politically aware, at least aware that we were Democrats. And Carter was in all the papers and in Time Magazine as this big smiling peanut, which really stuck with me as a second grader. What did your, what, do you know what your parents thought of Carter? Like, Well, you know, my parents were Northern snobs. So there was a sense of Carter as a Southern, Southern Democrats were suspect, but Carter was a World War II veteran and he was a good liberal. He wasn't some. Right. His, he was great on race. Like it yeah. was, it was more like maybe they'll vote for him, even though he's not one of those Southern Democrats. Yeah, that's right. But there was a sense of him being somewhat unsophisticated compared to like Eastern politicians that, that had all uh, supped at the Princeton club. When someone is literally a peanut farmer, it's not too hard to make them seem like a bit of a rube. But when your whole political platform is based in a kind of like, uh, rough and tumble populism, you can't like snob out the peanut farmer. That's pretty good press. This was the era we've talked about the seventies a lot in the United States. This was the era of the bandit. You know, the, this was the Southern culture was ascendant trucker good culture old boys. and Carter was what represented another side of it. You know, another reason why he might not have been super afraid of the rabbit. I just looked this up. When do you think Easter fell in 1979? Wait a minute. April 15th. It was the same week. A week after Easter. This rabbit had a lot to be mad about. This is Friday. And uh, Carter probably maybe just thought it was going to bring him some Cadbury cream eggs. Oh, interesting. Maybe he was hissing and that's a rabbit's way of saying like, <laughs> hold up, hold up. <laughs> he, Carter's waiting to see if he's got a little basket with that green, uh, uh, green strawy grass stuff in grass. it. Love that stuff. Well, so Carter went back to the White House and he told his staff this charming anecdote about the rabbit. You'll never believe what happened to me out on the pond. You'll never believe what happened to me. I'm not going to stop doing it because I'm going to lose it. That's really, it's it's actually quite good. We've, I've, you know, you've complimented me for my Kennedy or my Reagan on the show. Mm -hmm. I may have done Clinton. I'm not sure. Yeah, hard to know. But <laughs> I wasn't really listening. <laughs> hard to know. But that's a, that's a A plus yeah. Carter. Yeah, yeah. A minus Carter. They're be better Carters. Even Carter is <laughs> like a B minus Carter. Yeah, I mean, Bill Clinton is constantly doing a C plus Carter. <laughs> So, but his staff, uh, his staff doesn't believe him because they are operating under the assumption, as you were, that you don't bathe the rabbit and rabbits don't like water. And so they pish poshed him. That's C rude. Couldn't Sitting, have been a rabbit. president. No, yeah. no Wikipedia exists for them to check this. And all these guys are like, sir, I don't well, they're probably, think that's possible. They're probably all career foggy bottom politicians that, that uh, went to Georgetown and they think that he's a little bit of a... Like a bumpkin. Who are you going to believe? Like Carter, a guy who's actually from the swamps? Or like Edmund Muskie? You right. Know? Like, you don't want to believe Ed Muskie. Never believe no. Ed Muskie. But it turned out that the White House official photographer was there, hiding in the bushes, and had taken a couple of photographs. One uh, zoomed-in shot of the rabbit itself, 
swimming in the water. Wait, so this attack is unfolding and this guy is literally just there taking pictures. No one, I, 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 there's no part of the story where like people are sounding the alarm, but this guy's like, this is crazy. Oh boy, what a scoop. He gets a shot of the rabbit and it's very clearly a swamp rabbit. It has short ears, but it is a large bunny. And then another picture with a little bit wider aspect and, and with, with, um, the soft focus leaves on either side. Does he have a fisherman's hat on? He has a baseball hat on, uh. which is the Georgia version of a fisherman's hat. Is that true? Only, only in the North would you wear one of those, uh, floppy hats? I think the floppy hats are kind of a, like a Michigan thing. I may be just putting, that may be some hat aspersion, but I feel like that's an upper peninsula thing, those I'm, floppy hats. I'm looking at this photo of him in the boat and he appears to have, he's got his, maybe a polo or button down tucked into his well, pants, which he's wearing with a belt. He was the governor of Georgia. I guess you're always the president, yeah. even if you're out on your rowboat from a pogo cartoon. Sure. He's been a little fancy for a while. And I think the fashion for untucked shirts didn't really come into vogue until the nineties, if you were a proper person. But so there, here are these two photographs. And the second one where he's in the rowboat, he's actually in the moment of splashing the rabbit. So it's, a, it's an amazing action photo. Yeah. He's got the paddle in the water. There's all this kind of splash water headed toward the rabbit. And you see how, how uh, pregnant the moment was. The rabbit is heading away already from, yeah. the, from the splash at the time the photographer takes this Carter picture. splashed him away. And uh, it's a hilarious story. And at a certain point, the, uh, the president's, Press secretary, Jody Powell, mentions it in passing to an AP reporter or a reporter for the Washington Post. Uh, this is at the end of August. And by August 30th, it makes it into the Washington Post as a story. And you can imagine how they, how this, you know, it was a slow news day. And the story, uh, I, the headline was something like, do you have it there in front of you? The headline was, uh, Killer Rabbit Attacks the President. Wow, Washington Post is not above a... Inquirer style tabloid journalism. No, it was a, and I think it was meant as a humorous, you know, humorous piece, a humorous aside. And everyone took it with a lot of good humor. Bunny goes bugs was the headline. Bunny goes bugs. So they had a headline, rabbit attacks president. Yeah. Front page. Front page. Front page of the post. And, and the White House would not release the, had not released the photo. No. So they had to put up like a, a political cartoon of a, you know, artist's. What is it? What do they say? Artist rendering. Artist rendering. Of a, of a giant rabbit attacking the poor president in right. his rowboat. Uh, and there was, the idea of a killer rabbit was kind of in the cultural milieu because. Um, right. Because of the. Monty, are you going to say Monty Python? Uh, the killer rabbit of Monty Python's Holy Grail, the rabbit of Carbonog. You know, that, that movie was the first Monty Python movie that really took the world by storm. And it was the number one British film in the United States of that year, you know, universally lauded as a comedy masterpiece. And that's one of the most iconic scenes. Right. This unexpected. Run away, run away. Uh, so an attacking rabbit, I mean, that rabbit dismembers four different people in Holy Grail. So, And, and do you know what movie came out in 78? Have you ever seen the cartoon version of Richard Adams's Watership Down? Well, I remember loving that book about that time. Before I even read the book, I saw the movie as a kid, just thinking it was a, a cuddly rabbit Bambi kind of a thing. Oh, I'm not sure. There's a cartoon from the prior year in which the rabbits, uh, it's quite a bloody visceral thing. Oh, they you attack know, they, one another. Yeah, don't tooth they? and claw. They got to defend their burrow and uh, there's a, a, a evil, uh, an evil general rabbit who 
gets attacked by his own guys. I mean, it's a real, I remember my, my little sister just being terrified of the, this bloody bunny movie. I never saw the movie. It's so strange because I loved the book. There is I a, guess I was protected. I was such a sheltered child. I didn't see Watership Down. So it's a real boom time in America for uh, violent rabbits. Well, and also this is uh, right around the time of the release of Jaws. Mm. And so the uh, in the absence of a photograph of this incident, it was easily satirized in cartoons where the rabbit was made to look like a shark. Right. And uh, and Jimmy Carter was in the boat and being attacked by the rabbit. Pause. But uh, the story was so juicy that it kind of refused to go away. Nothing that weird has ever happened. Like, what's another weird thing that weird that's happened to a sitting president in recent memory? I mean, Bush throwing up at the dinner in Japan was pretty good. Uh, I think definitely Dick Cheney shooting his friend in the face. That's true. Was Sit, pretty weird. Sitting vice president. Though, that's right. So that takes it down a notch. I guess Trump peeing on those Russian prostitutes. Sure, for sure. but that was before he was president. Right. The, there was, the photographer wasn't there. Jimmy Carter actually has an earlier incident. Is this going to be what I think it is? In 1969, in January of 1969, Carter, when he was governor of Georgia, saw a UFO. Are you saying UFO on the show? That's a first. He said UFO. Of course it is an UFO. Out of deference to President Carter. Yeah. Uh, he said a UFO, but it was uh, an UFO. He was there to give a a speech. Um, he was in Georgia in a little town called Leary, Georgia. He was there to give a speech to the Lions Club and standing outside, he looked off into the distance. Somebody there with him said, look at that. And he looked over and there was a glowing gaseous orb that Carter said was as uh, bright as the moon. Whoa. And it uh, came toward him for a while and then it accelerated off into space. And Whoa, sounds like they must be Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he qualified it as a UFO, but he said he did not think it was an alien craft. Well, sure. I mean, a UFO, by definition, is an unidentified flying object. You're not saying you believe in aliens by right. saying you saw an UFO. And Carter was pretty adamant that he did not believe in UFOs coming to Earth and performing various ufological did yeah. that come up in the debate? Like usually presidents don't have to commit whether or not they believe in alien greys probing rectums. No, but this was during the era of Project Blue Book and there was a lot of interest both from the public and from the government in reports of UFOs and UFOs. And so Carter gave a full report and there was a lot of speculation. Well, maybe it was Venus that was in that location in the sky People at the time. People always say that. People they are so to into be Venus. Venus. They want it to be Venus. But Carter had a couple of things going for him. One, he was a, a veteran of the Navy. He was a submariner, so less likely to see UFOs. But he could see like Aquaman-style undersea well, attackers. And underwater UFOs. And we know that they're actually living under U the poles. UFOs. And so he was, you know, he was reliable and trained as an observer. But also he was an amateur astronomer. And he said, listen, mm. it was not not Venus. It wasn't like a normal phenomenon. It was something extraordinary. Uh, and this was reported on as because he was a sitting governor and he never took it back. 
it was reported on, but it didn't take on that same character that it would now as like a universally discrediting peculiarity. And in fact, Ronald Reagan was on record as having had two separate UFO encounters that he spoke publicly about. That's why a lot of people voted for John Anderson in 1980. <laughs> they wanted somebody who hadn't seen a UFO. Well, that's right. That's, that's why I've not for enough him. people voted for him. <laughs> have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Maybe you've even tried at some point, but gave up because you felt lessons were too expensive or that you just didn't have the time. Thankfully, there's Musician. Musician is the fun, easy, and affordable way to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, and even singing. Just download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. Musician gives you 24-7 access to a vast catalog of video lessons from professionally trained educators, as well as thousands of exercises and songs across dozens of music genres, all tailored to your goals. And with Musician's award-winning technology that listens to you play, you'll get real-time feedback on timing and accuracy so you can actually see yourself improving as you learn. Start your extended 14-day free trial of Musician's Premium Plus package at musician.com start. That's unlimited access to thousands of lessons, exercises, and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks. Just go to musician.com slash start. That's Y-O-U-S-I-C-I-A-N dot com slash start. Uh, it turned out later that there was a scientific explanation for Jimmy Carter's U uh, UFO sighting, although... Maybe it's just another government cover-up. What is the cover-up, though? Well, apparently during this period, uh, there was a study going on of the upper atmosphere. That's what they always say. If yeah. it's not Venus, it's a weather balloon. Listen to this. This is even better than a weather balloon. From Elgin Air Force Base, which is you know near enough by, a couple hundred miles away from uh, Carter's location at the time, they were sending rockets, and the point of the rockets was to release barium into the atmosphere to create a glowing cloud, which would allow you, uh, allow observers to test the amount of, uh, you know, blah, 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 you resonance know, scattering. You know that the second Carter was president, he was like, first thing I want to know, is that barium thing bull? Well, so Carter, before he was elected, made kind of a point about saying, because again, Project Blue Book was in the public's mind. He said, when I'm president, I will release all the UFO material. Oh, can you this imagine was, the high command? This uh, was another quaking in fear. You know, Hillary Clinton made this promise too on the campaign trail that when, and Bill Clinton did too, when I'm there, I will release all the UFO material. And then Carter very conspicuously walked it back and said, national security prohibits me from releasing all this classified information. Still no UFOs, but. Uh, Why does everybody keep walking back the UFO promise? Well, I don't know. And why... Something that would terrorize and panic the general public were it known. Why is there always a barium cloud experiment happening right when the future president sees a UFO? Uh, but the story of the rabbit took on a life of its own. And here they come, the Republicans, started to use it to their advantage because Carter's reputation was as somewhat a hapless president, right? I mean, Gerald Ford was caricaturized and mocked as uh, a bumbling, clumsy, clumsy oaf. Just because uh, he fell down once. He fell down one time, right? And he was a college football player. He was a natural athlete, light on his feet, a great dancer. I mean, to be fair, I've never fallen down. So I, I would still laugh at Gerald Ford for having fallen down once. Have you never fallen down? I've literally never fallen down. 
Seriously, you must have fallen down at some point. You can't prove that I've fallen down. I have every doubt that you've never fallen down. I'm the only person in the world that can make fun of Gerald Ford with his mere one embarrassing fall. Wow. Having never actually fallen. But Carter was, in, in Reagan's campaign against him and in the Republican campaigns against him in 79, the complaint was that he was ineffectual. And this was a time of the great... American malaise and, uh, and it seemed like Carter was not strong on defense, although he behind the scenes was a real cold warrior. Uh, he seemed like his domestic policies and his economic policies were producing bad results. And Reagan was, was campaigning on the idea that he was going to make America great again. The original version. Reagan's a more dynamic figure. He's not going to tell you to put on a sweater. He's going to fix this. And Reagan is not going to get attacked by a rabbit while he's in a rowboat. The whole thing was easy to satirize. But I feel like that's not fair. Carter fought off the rabbit. He did. Carter did the best you could do against the swamp rabbit. He's a, he was a natural swamp rabbit warrior, but it was too easy to turn into a joke. Yeah. And um, it really should have been a gator. If, he's, if it's a gator, right. Carter wins in 1980 for sure. Right. The fact that it's a rabbit, it's just, it's too ridiculous on the face of it. Also, this is a time of a lot of uh, cryptozoology and Bigfoot hunting, the Loch Ness Monster, Loch Ness Monster, the Bermuda Triangle. All this stuff was titillating the public. And this rabbit didn't quite have the same, it's not quite a chupacabra. If you know what I mean. It's, it's not just, even a Jersey devil. Just an angry rabbit. So there's quite a bit of speculation or contemporary feeling that the rabbit incident played a role in discrediting Carter in the election, making him sort of a figure of mockery. And the photographs, when ultimately released, did not do much to change the public opinion. If you're previously inclined to look at it as a ridiculous incident, the photos do seem a little ridiculous. The photos were not released until the end of the Carter presidency. Is that true? We're into the Reagan years when the photos finally came out. They finally sneak out. There's probably no photogenic way to fight off a rabbit. I mean, if the rabbit had made it into the boat, it'd be all the worse. How ridiculous do you look? I mean, frankly, a president in a rowboat isn't a great look. Uh, (laughs) You know, he should have... He should have been. Number one rule of American politicking. Everybody knows. Say it with me. Stay out of the rowboat. Stay out of the rowboat. Like if he'd been driving an 18-wheelers semi-truck and there was a picture of him like pulling down that that horn Like Trump in the cab of the truck. (laughs) But this was really a Dukakis in the tank moment for him. Yes. 1970s America needed more of a Smokey and the Bandit moment. I agree. So uh, Carter got the worst of, or I guess the rabbit got the best of the story in the end. The rabbit got the last laugh. But there's a, there's a, a little bit later, a kind of um, maybe not exactly contemporaneous story, but one that ushered in modern times. And that was Dan Rather's famous encounter with a attacker on the streets of New York. whom This is not an animal encounter. No, but, but an encounter that... Rather, they're rather reported straight-facedly at the time, but that ended up acting to really discredit him and, and make him a figure of public mockery. Yeah, not, I guess not realizing how it would look. You know, something bad happens to you. You want to tell everybody the story. This ra- it's the craziest thing. This rabbit came after me. Yeah, or, this, or this guy yelled something at me on, this, on 59th Street. And Rather also was a, a, like a major public figure. This is during a time when the newscasters of the big three news programs were all 
respected figures uh, rather had inherited CBS News from Walter Cronkite, the most respected man in America. Can you name any of the three men hosting the nightly news today? Uh, no, right? Oh, no. Brian Williams? Oh, they, they no, fired him, didn't they? Oh, he got canceled. <laughs> Brian Williams is canceled. Like, uh, I, I saw the names the other day and, like, they could have been just random names from your high school yearbook. Al Roker? I guess, <laughs> no. No, nobody inherited the show from the old times? Nobody. I mean, Lester Holt is a name you might remember, but, you know, the other two, it's who and who. Do you remember when Wolf Blitzer was such a rakish figure that people talked about him? Like It was because his name was Wolf Blitzer. It's a pretty good name for a reporter. Anderson Cooper. Oh, he's CNN. That's also a pretty good name for a reporter. Sure is. Considering uh, his mother is Gloria Vanderbilt. But, yeah, I mean, we don't have a Dan Rather-like figure anymore. But he was, you know, one of the most authoritative men in America when he had his encounter. And also a Southerner uh, with a lot of homespun, folky folkisms. Remember he, for a while there, signed off every night by saying, courage. And he would always be like, you know, he'd do election reports would be coming in and he's like, these are as confusing as a mule in a hurricane. That's right. Or he'd say stuff like, like that. two lizards in a hot, wet bag. Exactly. But his report, his story was walking down the street. Uh, he was attacked by a man who punched him from behind, knocked him down, was joined by a second man. And I forgot there was a second man. His initial assailant kept screaming at him, what's the frequency? Or no, Kenneth, what's the frequency? Kenneth, what is the frequency? And as reported, it was so insensible, nonsensical. By the way, as somebody named Kenneth, in 1989 or whenever. Oh, tell was. us what that was about. Tell <laughs> us what that was like, Ken. Did you get what's the frequency? Uh, Continually. Really? High school was one long what's the frequency, Ken. That's, that's kind of my long duck dong moment. Well, and it wasn't made, wasn't made any easier by the fact that R.E.M. immortalized it in their song, What's the Frequency, Kenneth. I was brain dead, locked out, numb, not up to speed. Well done. Well, I guess it was your theme music, right? You'd better know all the lyrics. Not a, uh, not a fan of that record, but... But it turned out also that there was a an explanation for what's the frequency, Kenneth. Um, Is it related to the rabbit? Are you going to tie all this together? <laughs> it's not, there, but, uh, but the, it is related to a certain amount of um, extraterrestrial insanity, I guess. In 1994, a man by the name of William Tagger uh, killed an NBC stagehand Whoa. named Campbell Montgomery outside of NBC in New York City, killed him while trying to gain entrance to NBC with a weapon in order to get inside and find whoever it was that was responsible for beaming all these insanity-producing rays into his brain. And he thought NBC in particular? Yes, and this is, it sounds very much like an episode of Schizophrenia. But uh, this is fully eight years later after his encounter with, uh, with Dan Rather. And it turned out that there was an engineer at NBC who operated out of WMAQ in Chicago whose name was Kenneth Steininger. And Kenneth Steininger was responsible for assigning the frequencies to news programs on the East Coast. How would this... Uh William Tager, who, how would he know of an NBC staffer who's in charge of certain news feeds? Unclear. William 
Tagger survives to this day and was paroled from prison for the murder of Campbell Montgomery and uh, walks among us. We should ask him. Maybe on a future episode of The Omnibus, we'll find Kenneth, we'll find William, we'll find the rabbit. Carter's still alive. Carter's still with us. And Dan Rather is still alive. The barium. We oh, the guys from Elgin Air Force Base? I, don't, I doubt that they're going to come clean. <laughs> they're going to keep their barium secrets to the grave? You know, I met Dan Rather once. Yes. You met him at a party. I, I, can't, I party. can't remember if you've talked about this on the omnibus or I, not. I met him at a party at Paul Allen's house. Mm. And I wasn't aware he was going to be there. I was standing around, you know, with a drink in hand. Hoping Ted Danson would show up again. And here comes this shadowy figure. And he's standing there and, uh, you know, people are kind of keeping a distance. And I looked and, you know, kind of wondered, like, why why nobody's talking to this poor guest. I recognized it was Dan Rather. And as you know, I'm not a shy fellow when confronted with one of the most respected men in America. No fear of man nor moose. And we went over and we talked about, you know what, I never thought to mention Kenneth. He probably appreciated that. We that's, talked about other things. That's not what he wants. We shared some homespun wisdom. When you talk to famous people, you should just talk about something else. I said, you know, I'd really love to see a moose. Is that a moose? <laughs> and that concludes Killer Rabbit. Entry 686.LV1106. Certificate number 21432 in the Omnibus. Now, futurelings, uh, John and I were products of our time, and as such, we do not want you to hold us responsible for the terrible cataclysm that social media is about to wreck on our culture. Mm. But for a short period in the early 21st century, we were respectively at Ken Jennings and at John Roderick on Twitter, and in John's case on Instagram. We started the at Omnibus Project account to trace our important research and developments on all social media platforms you can think of. We founded the Futurelings group on Facebook to assist us in our uh, rabbit and barium-related research. We invited the foremost minds of our time to communicate with us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com or if they had non-digital items to send them to us at uh, Omnibus Project, P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. And they, uh, they have sent us delightful things. This is a postcard from the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. How do you get, I, I mean, you know, it's clearly a beautiful item. You wouldn't think that North Korea would manufacture postcards, let alone let some gaijin send them out. I can't read the revolutionary slogan at the bottom, but this does seem to depict four generations of the Kim family all dressed in military, r- military garb. garb and holding submachine, so holding automatic What rifles. is the Korean word for uh, Westerner? It's not Gaijin, obviously. It's No, that would be Japanese. Right. It is what? Uh, they Must call, have shouted it at you all the time. They call us milk-smelling, cheese-smelling, round-eyed mother scratchers. Yeah, but what is that in Korean? Oh, it's too rude to oh, say. Oh, I see. Sorry. I don't want Cheese smelling round-eyed anyone. mother scratchers. <laughs> we also got <laughs> uh, a soap dish made out of melted aluminum soda cans. I'm taking that for sure. By a listener who is inspired by your backyard uh, blast furnaces of, of the Cultural Revolution era of, of Mao era China. That is a beautiful thing. And Mao's uh, furnaces thing. did not work, but this guy was capable of making a beautiful, solid aluminum. Listen to this. 
Mm, wow. That is the sound of a solid soap dish. That is going to keep my soap from getting the sink messy. And some homemade soaps. This one smells like, I don't know. I can't have homemade soaps. Most of the time, they're too perfumed And this for me. one smells like, I also don't know. But yeah, these are pretty heavily perfumed. Are you are saying? Are you saying I'm going to keep the soap and you're going to keep the dish? Yeah, I'm allergic to the soap, but you, you with your hearty... Uh, pink skin and... and uh, I don't want this. Aluminum I, causes Alzheimer's. You can eyelashless uh, blondness. Eyelashless. <laughs> Freakish, hairless blondness. Uh, so thank you. Feel free to send us other things along those lines and we will marvel at them on the show unless they're lame. Uh, we also... What did I not say? The shirts. Oh, sure. The shirts. For a few short days, for less than a week remaining... Uh, there was a short period in April 2019 when we made two fantastic shirt designs available uh, through our friends at Cotton Bureau. A shirt that says Omnibus, a shirt that says Futurelings. Use them to identify your fellow listeners. Um, you can find those by perusing the Cotton Bureau website. How do you spell uh, cotton, John? C-O-T-E-N. Cotton. That is correct. Spell cotton that way and spell bureau however John said it last time. Cottonbureau.com slash people slash omnibus. They're fantastic shirts. Don't miss out. Cotton Bureau slash people slash omnibus. Futurelings, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived or whether you were able to get an omnibus Futurelings t-shirt during this limited time offer. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. None, none has been yet. We've been wrong 100% of the time. This could be it. So far, every day we have come back for another day. We're, can't last forever. We are resilient like that, but by the law of averages, it's going to catch up with us. That's right. Only one out of 726 people from Plains, Georgia has ever been president of the United States, and only one day will be the last. Our 727th episode will clearly be the final one. If Providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.